Um, I'm going to do something. We're going to start by doing a bit of an illustration. So if you are little and you can't see, uh, feel free to come down the front for a minute um, and have a look. I do need a volunteer. Um, one of you... Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, you can all help. Yeah, go on that hand. Right. Um, so you... Do you want to come help me too? Right. Who likes baking? You like baking? We like cooking? Yeah? Right. Yeah, you guys do. You can come join. You can all come join. Right. We are going to... I, I want to bake a cake this morning, right? So, what do we need? Okay, yeah, we do. We need some ingredients. What are we going to put them in? A bowl. Okay. Right, here's a bowl for you. Um, you might want to take the paint stuff out. Thanks. Okay, um, and you're right. We need some sugar. So, here's some sugar... Wilbur, can you hold the sugar for me? Okay. Um, we need to measure. We need 100 grams of sugar. So what do you need? Scale. Something to measure it with, right? Okay, let me see what I've got in my bag. Here you go, Han. Can you measure 100 grams of um, sugar for me? No. Can you? No. no? Give it a guess. Just pour some in. Yeah, good job. Just pour a little bit in. Well done. Teamwork. Okay, I felt like that was a bit harsh, so um, that's good, perfect, that looks, yeah, probably a bit more than 100 grams, but we're okay with that. Right, I, I measured out the flour, because I figured that might be a bit kinder, um, do you want to pop that one in? It's, oh, there's some sugar in it, and some flour, so we'll add our flour, um, we need something else, which I have carefully packed, so that it didn't break, you want to add your egg? Go on then. Try not to make too much mess because I didn't think about getting a ground sheet out. Perfect. Yeah, great. Right, now what do we need? Butter. We're actually not going to put butter in this, but yes. Oh, don't worry about the eggshell. I think it's probably the least of our problems. Um, right, we need something to mix it with. Okay, we need something to mix it with. Can you mix it? Yeah? Thanks. Hmm, great. This is looking yummy. Very sugary. Very sugary, indeed. Very sugary. Not very much. We, we probably need some milk or some butter. You're correct, but I don't have any. Okay, final thing. Right, we're going to put it in the oven. So, obviously, we need to put it in a pot. Sound good? Yeah? You're going to put it in? Great. It's got holes in the bottom. It, I love this. Right, do you want to hold it up? Maybe not over the carpet, maybe over the bowl. Um, who wants some of our cake? Anyone? Do you guys want it? Um, Absolutely not. Right, do you want to go, do you want to just take a seat down here for me? Because I'm going to need you in a second. Just go like this. Yeah, it's fine. Do you want to sit on the front here? I'm going to give you some other things to hold. Right. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, let's read our story, our passage from the Bible. Um, so, we are in Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 to 19, which, if you want to follow, is page 1102 in the church Bibles, and I promise I will stand still from now on for Mike on the camera. <laughs> um, right, page 1102. It says this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. 
He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he would take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he had seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now... We've established that these guys enjoy baking. Um, who enjoys DIY or building things? Yeah? Anyone? Surely, we've got some D- I've got some tentative hands going on. Okay, we're not feeling like joining in this morning. That's all right. Right, um, who likes crafts, sewing? Yeah? Okay, um, and we've, I know we've got some cooks and some bakers because we have wonderful refreshments um, after the service. Um, now, all of these things require tools, Okay, they require tools of all different kinds. Now, in my bag, I've got a whole load of tools, and I would like you guys to stand and hold them for me. Um, So, can you hold that one? Can you hold, be careful with this one, because it's got a lid on it. Hold that one. What else can we find? Can you hold that one? Thank you. Can you hold that one? Here we go. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't give you the massive hammer. Yeah, maybe we'll swap. Good idea. Do you want that one? Yeah? Do you want to swap? Swap. Give those ones to Adam, because they're probably slightly safer. Right, I'm creating a mess. I'm sorry, team. Right, hold them high in the air for me. Okay, I'm going to go through a list of jobs. Actually, now hold them in front of you. I'm going to go through a list of jobs, and if you think it is your tool that we need, I want you to hold it high in the sky. Okay, so, if I wanted to fix a picture on the wall using some nails, what tool might I use? Yes, 
Correct, our hammer. Okay, if I want to mix the ingredients to bake a cake, which one would I use? Can you hold it really high in the air? Kind of. Yes, good job. Our whisk. Okay. If I wanted to fry an egg or flip a pancake, what might I use? My frying pan. Good job. Okay. What if I wanted to tighten uh, the... I don't know what it's called. Yeah. The thing on my tap. Can you tell I'm not a DIYer? The, yes, good job. We've got our pliers. Um, okay, what if I wanted to fix a hole in my favorite T-shirt? Yes, what you can't see in there is a lot of needles and thread. And what if I wanted to dig some plants, some holes in my garden? What might I need? My gardening gloves. Good job. Right, you guys can leave your tools on the floor. We can say thank you to you by giving you a massive clap. And do you want to go take a seat? Just leave them on the floor. It's fine. Go take a seat. Thank you so much. And if really little people um, want to, there's some crafts at the back. Right. I'm, I've made right a mess. Okay, we'll just carry on. So, when we're faced with a job, when we are uh, thinking about something we want to do, we look for the right tools. Okay, because each of our tools are made differently. A hammer is very different to a frying pan, which is very different to a needle and thread. And we think carefully about which ones we use based on the need of the job, right? So if I've got a hole in my T-shirt, my frying pan would be pretty much useless. If I have got uh, a picture that I want to hang up, then my needle and thread just isn't going to cut it. Tools have been designed for a purpose with particular features that suit the job that we use them for. And today's passage is a famous one um, about a man called Saul, who we often know as Paul. Um, and I want to focus today on verse 15. And verse 15 says this. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. So God speaks to Ananias. And when Ananias uh, raises this question of who is this man? He's terrifying. He's killing all of your followers. Um, God replies saying, he is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the people that don't already know who he is. And um, I was drawn to this idea when I was reading and reflecting on this passage of um, Saul or Paul as God's chosen instrument. So in the passage, the word instrument is used a little bit like we might use the word tool. So in the same way that a musical instrument would be chosen for the job of playing music, um, a spoon or a whisk would be the chosen instrument for baking a cake. A hammer would be the chosen instrument to put nails in a wall. God said that Saul was his chosen instrument for telling people called the Gentiles who didn't know who Jesus was and they didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God, all about him and how much God loved them. He was going to be what we might call a missionary or an evangelist. And as we saw in the story, he was going to be someone that traveled around the world or around the area um, to tell people about God. 
So I want us to um, go with the tool analogy for a minute and um, think a bit about um, if we were designing the perfect evangelist, the perfect missionary, the perfect person for sharing God's words with others, um, what what would they be like? What kind of characteristics might they have? And I was picturing I was in the tool mindset, and um, this came to mind to me a bit like a pen knife. Don't know why. Um, with all its different prongs, okay? With its different things that it does for different jobs. Um, so I just want us to think. I'm going to give us like 20 seconds. Feel free to think on your own. If you don't want to talk, that's totally fine. Um, but if you want to chat to the person next to you, um, what characteristics might you think would be useful in somebody if they were going to be a perfect evangelist or missionary? Go. You can have a think or you can have a chat. Okay. Do we have any ideas? What kind of words might we use? You don't have to be brave and shout some for me. What kind of words might we use? Brave. Nice, I like it. Confident. Is that what you said? Yeah, good one. Passionate or compassionate. I don't know, but both of those would be great. Any others? Resilient. Nice. Can deal with challenges. No, that's fine. Right. I, I, did, I had a go. Some of the things that came to me. Um, someone that loves God. Someone who was kind, someone who listens to people, someone who is somebody that others want to talk to, um, somebody maybe who speaks lots of languages might be useful. Um, I'm going with probably an extrovert who likes talking to people and finds that life-giving. Um, somebody that knows God really, really well and has maybe been a Christian for a long time. They are the things that instantly come to mind um, when I think about the kind of perfect evangelist. Now, when we reflect on this list, does it sound much like Saul? No. Not, yeah, not at all. Uh, I don't think it does. Saul wasn't kind. He was mean. Saul didn't love God. He hated God. Saul had spent years of his life um, getting to know, he hadn't spent years of his life getting to know God. In fact, he'd spent years of his life persecuting people that knew him. I have no idea whether he was an introvert or an extrovert um, or how many languages he spoke, but on the whole, I don't think Saul matches up to my initial idea of a chosen instrument for sharing God's love with others. And when I think a bit, when I think about it, it can be easy to say, oh, well, that kind of person, mean and angry and not knowing God, um, asking them to share God's love with other people is kind of like what we did here. It's kind of like trying to bake a cake with a whole load of things that don't make sense, with flower pots and screwdrivers and old painty buckets. It, it feels counterintuitive and like it's not going to make sense. It's unexpected and uh, confusing to a certain extent. But what's amazing about Saul's story is that despite his history, despite his background, despite everything that happened, um, God chose him. Verse 15 says he was God's chosen instrument. It wasn't Saul's abilities that made him God's chosen instrument. It wasn't whether he was good or not. It was that God promised to work within him. 
God met with him. God transformed his life. And then um, God filled his heart and his mind with his Holy Spirit, with his love. And he transformed his actions uh, to be used in such amazing, miraculous ways. He spent the rest of his life telling people about God. And this passage reminds me that God can use absolutely anyone, and he can use absolutely anything. And in fact, he doesn't choose what we would deem to be perfect. He doesn't choose the people that have necessarily got everything together, or mean too honest, I don't think they exist, but he doesn't choose people who are absolutely amazing and totally wonderful and perfect at absolutely everything. He chose it, cho- chooses broken people like you and me, people who are weak, people people who aren't always brave, who aren't always courageous, who aren't always strong, who don't always uh, know how to be kind to people, who don't always love people very well. And they are the people that God chooses to be his instruments. And I wonder how you're feeling right now. I wonder whether you feel like you are ready and being used by God Or whether you feel like Saul and you're like, absolutely, I don't even know who God is. Maybe you feel like, oh, God used to use me, but he doesn't really use me anymore. Or maybe you feel like God could use me, but my circumstances are so rubbish right now that it's just there's too much going on. I wonder if you're facing a situation or a difficulty in life that just feels so impossible to turn around. And I want to encourage us all this morning that if any of those things resonate with us, that God wants to use those situations. He promises that he does want to use each and every one of us, that he wants to meet with us like he met with Saul on the road to Damascus. He wants to change our hearts, change our lives, and he wants to use us for his kingdom purposes in the world. In Ephesians um, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're not only chosen tools off a shelf, we are created by God. We were designed by him. He knows each and every one of us. He knows what we're good at. He knows what we're not. He knows what we're struggling with. He knows what makes us feel brave. He knows what makes us feel scared. And he knows all of those things, and he chooses to use us because we are his chosen instruments. No matter how unlikely it may seem, no matter how difficult it may feel, The Bible tells us that God uses the most unexpected people in the most extraordinary ways to do massive things for God and his kingdom. Abraham, Moses, David, Ruth, Esther, Rahab, Mary, Peter, Paul. Okay, the list goes on. They're just some of the famous people in the Bible um, who have... Uh, pretty rubbish things go on in their lives or pretty difficult circumstances. They look like very unexpected people to be chosen by God. And there are other people in the Bible whose stories are maybe less well told. Miriam, Jethro, Josiah, Nahum's servant girl, Titus, Simeon, Anna, Noah's wife, okay? These are biblical heroes that we maybe don't even know that much about, but um, 
They were unexpected, they were unqualified, and they were imperfect. But Jesus uses them, and God uses them to do amazing things. And um, I just felt like God wanted to encourage us this morning, really. It's not very complicated. That if we're willing to let him, if we open up our hearts to him, and we uh, let him change us and work through each of us, then um, our character and our lives and our circumstances can be used by him to share his love with others and to do powerful things in the world. And um, I was reflecting a bit on what this is like for us, and um, I heard a story um, on the radio this week about um, Tom Fletcher. I don't know whether you know who he is. He's a um, singer uh, in the band McFly. And um, he, this week, quite famously took his little boys to work with him. Um, So a little bit, uh, you know, one of those childcare moments uh, where they didn't have anything to do. He took his boys to work with him, and um, they actually opened this massive concert. Um, One of them played the drums, one of them played guitar. They're like... I don't know how old they are, definitely primary school, they're tiny. Um, and you, there's a great picture online, have a look at it, um, of this moment. And he's kind of stood there, proud dad, with these two little boys um, opening this massive headline gig. And um, it just got me thinking that actually us being used by God, us being his chosen instruments, is a bit like that. It's a bit like going to work with our dad. Like, we are not prepared. We are not the most skilled. We don't have everything that we need, but um, he is stood right there with us, like a dad who stood alongside his children, and he will work with us, and he will work through us um, to do amazing things if we let him, if we let him change our hearts, and if we let him um, open our minds to, and our eyes to what he's doing around us.